Hey everybody and welcome to another edition of the Kettle Cup Holistic Healing Hour. I'm your host, the moderator, Grandpa Bill. We'll probably be here for about a half hour, 45 minutes today. And I'm revisiting pretty much a subject that I've been predominantly talking about quite a bit here at this platform over the last oh, five, six weeks and a little bit more intensified over the last couple of weeks, that is. And that's talking about one of the income streams. I'm going to talk about the business factor over at the business show, but collectible coins and the reason that predominantly I'm doing it is for investment future for my granddaughter and fighting <clears throat> hedging inflation and the dying fiat dollar. But the subject matter of many categories within the products that they offer are fascinating to me and have been. History is one of my most favorite topics, subjects, what have you, and especially military history. And I never served. It's not from that angle. Not that there's anything wrong with that. You should be proud if you served. I have nothing but respect for veterans. Nothing. None of us could be doing anything we're doing right now in this country. Even the crazy stuff, they fought for those rights too. So you'll be hearing me talk a lot about my respect for veterans in upcoming shows. You'll also be hearing about how I'm trying to channel this into an advocacy program that I've offered for years at the business show, of a way to try to give back to not only our veterans. But those that are up against it now, that crowd's obviously ever increasing. And the animals, the animals, the animals. I haven't been able to talk to the, about them here for a couple weeks now, but we must take care of them as well. So we'll talk about that at the business show, the community support service, the nonprofit agency support system that we have, my advocacy program, the intuitive group, and how all together we have our own family of support, and how this coin club that I'm interested in starting, even if someone has the interest on the same level of the history of it and the other categories to include. Presidential one. I just got two more of the Abraham Lincoln. My first two of those. I have a George Washington. I've talked about those at the show. I have the state animal collections of the domestic United States. I just got my first one after I just joined, which was Indiana and the Cardinal. And my next one will be released in I don't know what's today, the tenth, in about five more days. And that's kind of a random choice of which state and what you get, but I'm in it because I'm in the Auto Saver program. And there's I got an Australian coin with a kangaroo on. I'm trying to diversify silver. I haven't gotten gold yet, but I want to diversify the package. It's about investing for me. Certainly, an income stream if people want to do so, and I. I'm trying to devise a team, but it's just marketing and introducing everybody. So through all of that, my recent show I talked about Gary Koss, who, long story short, is the father of my last interview that this past week with Rachel Koss, and she kind of put the wheels in motion with her dad and 
we've talked a couple of three times. Gary, including today at the time of this taping on Saturday, is a veteran himself, very well entrenched in his home state of Minnesota at that base, and all of these articles that he's written over the years, covering the history of all the way from the Civil War up through all the crazy wars that we've been involved in, and he's sent me many of those articles after our conversation today to include the one I want to incorporate in this show. It's some nostalgia about the Civil War and about nurses, and that really was the place of the inception of nurses as we know it today. It was, it was, it was, and we'll get into the whys and wherefores. And quickly here, I knew Gary would have the appreciation of the history of the coin because of the subject matter. If the coin and the club concept is of his, you know, interest to him, that would be awesome. But what it is is, I know the category of audience that he's writing for and to. Referral marketing is exactly that. We just ask to pay it forward if it's something that you can see is most assuredly above board for real and all of that. That's how referral marketing works. On an MLM business model, and again, Rockefeller, John D., Henry Ford, Warren Buffett, Colgate Palmolive is an MLM company just for one. Tupperware, Avon, Rubbermaid—they're on the Fortune 500. And again, we've kind of defended it enough. It's all in the eyes of the beholder, but once again, neither of these two income streams could have lasted, especially the CTFO one that's now four years entrenched. The proof's in the label. The label's what's in the bottle. All of that. It's just time to move beyond that. We've proven it. Documented science, medical staff on board. It's about doctors and legitimate. This business model, most assuredly. Is not for everyone. No one denies that, but we get the old adage, and it's just the wrong one. This is neither a pyramid scheme nor a scam. But again, everything's voluntary, so nobody coerces anybody or is trying to pull a trick card out of a side pocket or whatever. And those that perceive it that way, and certainly not Gary or whomever. Quite honestly. We really, respectfully, would love to see them take the door because they're the naysayers on everything. You'll never convince them of anything. <laughs> so, they're actually backhandedly doing us a favor. And once again, for the last time, there's plenty of those forums. Obviously, this is about health and wealth. It would be so counterintuitive to talk negativity and all of that. We will not do it. We don't do it. Unfortunately, it's going to continue to rear its ugly head from all of those factions. At least, probably for whatever time I've got left on the planet, because it's going to take that long to straighten it out. So all of this is tied into an option and a way to hedge all of that if perceived as such. But it's about the appreciation for the history of the subject matter, unique to this show. This coin and this article by Gary that I'm going to read when we come right back. It'll be less than ten seconds to yourself.
Thanks, everybody, and thanks for staying with us. And please do stay with us. It's a very interesting subject. Thank you. Okay, welcome back, and thanks for joining us today. Let's cut right to the chase. Gary Koss, Minnesota. I believe it's the Saint Paul area. I did neglect to ask him that specifically. We just chatted today. It was just a chat, like you chat with two friends, your uncle Charlie, the guy down the street, that type of a chat. And it came up over the last five or six days. His just. Incredible <laughs> statistical data, and being a historian on the subject matter, to include this article that he sent me that I want to read verbatim that he authored right now. So verbatim from Gary Koss, it's called the Civil War Medicine Woman, or yes, woman singular. As caregivers, and then women, plural. Stay with me for the reasoning on that. The novelty of the nurse, Sally Tompkins, Captain CSA. That's actually pictured a picture of her in this article that he sent me. That would be the woman as a caregiver, and then caregivers plural, because he also mentions Clara Barton. Obviously, the well, you know, I shouldn't say obviously, but most folks are familiar with that factoid that she was indeed the founder of the Red Cross. Verbatim, Gary's article number one, the prelude: Women have been the nurturers and caregivers since time immemorial, and immemorial. In the use of women in the military and military hospitals was never widely practiced in America until after the start of the Civil War. European use of women on the battlefield and in the hospital also was not a common practice until about the 1850s, when Florence Nightingale. And again, all humor aside, everybody has at least heard the name Florence Nightingale, I believe. Continuing verbatim, a British caregiver pioneered the practice during the Crimean War. Many of the practices and procedures she developed were adopted by the Americans. Florence Nightingale, British nurse, pictured in this article that he sent me. Again, verbatim and still verbatim. Number one underneath of Florence Nightingale beforehand. Prior to and early in the Civil War, hospital attendants were primarily men from the unit who were assigned to the male doctors. While the doctors were primarily competent and caring, not so the attendants. They were chosen from within the military unit and were chosen almost universally because they were incompetent or incapable of being of any use on the battlefield. Often they were the drunkards. Outcontents or slackers, their services were not missed by the unit, and their performance in the hospitals bordered on the insane. Drunken soldiery has a very funny caricature in the article that he sent me. Number four in his article, verbatim: Women as attendants. 
Women first entered into the military medicine primarily from three sources: a, women from the families of soldiers who became aware of the poor care that their injured loved ones were suffering at the hands of the military. Orders number number B or letter B, I should say, orders of Catholic nuns who were accepted by the military to aid in the care of the injured, and C, altruistic, altruistic. Lay women who came to comfort and aid and afflicted, as well as to effect improvements. Clara Barton, Mary. I'm going to spell this: B I K E R D I Y K E. Biker Dyke. Dyke. I won't attempt a proper pronunciation, but that is phonetically how it's spelled. Picture of her, Mary, mother. My pronunciation. I believe I'm right. Biker Dyke. <laughs> and honest to God, that's her name. And God bless her. And she should have never, and probably didn't then, because we didn't have the ignorance level back then. I wasn't there, but I know that for a fact. Let's just say she probably would have had a pretty tough time with that name coming up through for all the wrong reasons. But in any event, Mary, mother, Biker Dyke, Western. Union nurse number five practiced nuns and family members were at least tolerated in the medical milieu, and they did not often challenge the status quo. Not so the altruistic, who often wanted to effect changes and make things better. The entrenched and hidebound physicians of the time were not inclined to accept advice and criticism from the so-called lesser sex. Fierce turf wars developed, and not until later in the war, when senior leadership became aware of the benefits of better care for the wounded, were military physicians forced to accept the obvious: that these women were providing comfort and saving lives. In time, women were accepted, indeed welcomed, into the practice of military medicine. Then they were even given defined positions. In the Confederacy, women as care attendants were accepted more readily than in the Union. The primary reason: the Confederacy, I'm sorry, Confederacy were severely lacking in resources and personnel, prompting quicker acceptance of feminine medical and medicine treatments. Dorothy Dix, director of Union Nurses, again a picture of her in his article. Number six element of that article: outcome and conclusions. With the introduction of female attendants into military medicine, three things changed forever. Medicine got better. The practices of sanitation and cleanliness, as well as effective attendance. Resulted not only in better care for the injured and ill, but lives were saved and more soldiers were able to return to duty. The heretofore entrenched misogyny of doctors, leaders, and men in general was challenged. Women became accepted, and the roles of men and women changed forever. At the height of the Victorian age, women found a career. In which society found them acceptable, from the Civil War onward, nursing became a profession, soon largely dominated by women. 
his source, the source, his source amongst the many, or Wikipedia, Doctors in Blue, Doctors in Gray, obviously the two respective colors of the Northern Yankee Army, the Southern Rebel Army. Gray, Doctors in Gray. Clara Barton, professional angel. Prior, that's a, a point of reference that he used for this article. Brilliant, literally standing up applauding. Brilliant article, love it, and I appreciate Gary sending that. You'll hear much and many more that he just sent me when I get a chance to digest them and convey them here. We'll come right back in a minute, and when we come back, I'm going to revisit the coin. About the tomb of the unknown soldier, but please appreciate the histrionics, if for that alone. And then anybody that may have an interest in this coin collecting club, be it as a subscriber because you want to invest yourself for your own posterity or whatever, and/or trade it, you know, whatever. That's entirely up to you. And then there are there's two. They're based on memberships. They're based on memberships. And then, if you choose to do so, like I did of my own volition, nobody coerced me or beat me up or let me down some primrose path or whatever. Joined of my own volition, and you know it accentuates other opportunities. And then there's a possibility for an income stream with whatever you do with it, if you decide to, how you do it, if you stay, you know, and utilize their. Training and so forth, much like the CTFO, it's marketing, marketing, marketing. There's a lot of self-edification. And before I get to the coin, and then we'll do a back little quick close at the backside of it. I just constantly say, why are you here? How'd you get here? And what is it you're looking for? Those that answer specific ads and are members of lead lists that are saying they're looking for opportunities, those are always scrat head scratchers when. In some instances, they seem baffled or whatever. So anyway, that's why I decided after three years, everybody's welcome here. Everybody's welcome to come back because sometimes you have to leave to find out what they're not to appreciate what we are. So no animosity, no anything. But it is time to move on. So that's what I'm doing. Thanks, everyone. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk about the tomb of the unknown soldier. We'll come back with a quick wrap, and that'll be it for today. You'll be hearing much more about Gary Koss, and one way or the other, we'll see what we can do about talking with him, doing a recording, whatever it takes. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Okay, folks. Hopefully, we're opening further ado, and thanks for staying with us. If indeed you're here to do so, I'm gonna try to fire up this YouTube from 7K Metal about the tomb of the unknown soldier. We'll be right back in about oh four minutes, three and a half minutes. Here we go. In the year 1916, amidst the wreckage of the world's first global war. A lone military chaplain stumbled across a small bud of victory for humanity in what seemed to some the ending of it. An idea took hold when he found a grave marked "An Unknown British Soldier," assigned to be a spiritual guide of sorts for the army. 
This chaplain sparked an idea that was adopted among the Allies to honor the fallen, unrecognized soldiers of World War I. 7K Medals is proud to release an exclusive, Miles Standish design coin series dedicated to the tomb of the unknown soldier. The monument, which represents the lost, the fallen, and the valiant soldiers who defended the United States of America throughout its history. The first in this series is a one-ounce silver coin showcasing the tomb itself. Decorated by triple wreaths on the north and south sides to represent six major battles of World War I, the white marble masterpiece is also adorned with an inscription. Here rests in honored glory an American soldier known but to God. The east side of the old tomb shows three carved figures, peace, victory, and valor. The mintage of the one-ounce coins will be 2,121, a recognition of the repetitive 21-count movements made during a guard change to emulate the honorific 21-gun salute. The two-ounce silver coin shows a member of the honor guard in intricate detail and color. While this is a volunteer military position, less than 20% of applicants are selected for training, and even fewer make it through the rigorous process. This honor is something that, once awarded, can be taken away if the owner does something to dishonor himself or the tomb. The honor guard, or old guard, has faithfully been present 24-7 to guard the tomb since 1937, which is the mintage of this coin. The last of this series will be a beautiful five-ounce silver coin that shows the tomb of the unknown soldier in its entirety. The tomb itself was created for World War I, However, the monument has been expanded to include tombstones of unknown soldiers from the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and World War II. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier Guard Identification Badge is one of the highest honors a military officer can receive, and the vintage of this coin represents how many have been given out to date, 688. At 7K, we like to tell stories especially about things that bring us joy, hope, inspiration, or even just a smile. The tomb of the unknown soldier has been bringing grieving mothers, children, parents, grandparents, friends, husbands, girlfriends, and everyone in between things like peace, comfort, closure, and hope. It deserves its own memorial for the legacy it's provided and continues to provide 24-7 without end in sight. Okay, folks, that's the coin. Only from 7K. Only from 7K. Those that may be interested, leave me a message at the message board of the Anchor Radio Show. Hey everybody and welcome back to the show and at the time of this taping we couldn't be more up to date and in pretty much the timely fashion for two old geriatrics myself and Gary he literally in between the tapings as I was checking my email while one of them was playing back to yourself here sent me a follow-up addendum so let's get it right in and this would be the continuation of what you've already heard literally and figuratively hot off the press he had written it years ago but hot off the press as far as me recantering it right now right here and it fits in 
perfectly in this segment. This is about Sally Tompkins, dated 1833 to 1916, reading Gary's article verbatim. Tompkins was born in Virginia of inherited wealth in 1833. In 1861, she founded a hospital to care for Confederate soldiers injured on the battlefield. Her hospital had the lowest mortality rate of any hospital, North or South, during the Civil War. Of 1,333 who were admitted, only 73 did not survive. A 94% survival rate. The hospital was almost entirely provided for by Tompkins' own purse. After a law change by the Confederate Congress. That required only military hospitals treat injured Southern soldiers. Confederate President Jefferson Davis commissioned her a captain of cavalry in the CSA Army. Tompkins thus became the first woman ever commissioned in U.S. military history. When other Southern medical professionals inquired as to why Tompkins Hospital. Had such a high survival rate, Tompkins responded by saying, in effect, quotation fingers here now in quotations in Gary's article, we washed them. Tompkins was the first of many in Civil War medicine who realized that cleanliness and sanitation saved the lives of many of the injured. Never married, after a lifetime of using her own funds to aid and comfort the injured and afflicted, Tompkins died in poverty in 1916, having spent her entire fortune to help others. Some of the source material for Gary's article came from Wikipedia. Fascinating. There's one continuing about Clara Barton, 1821 to 1912. By the time of the Civil War, Clara Barton had already established herself as a pioneer and reformist. She was instrumental in establishing some public schools for the poor, and had attained a clerkship in the U.S. Patent Office. One of the first women to do so. Early in the Civil War, she raised funds for medical supplies and took them to hospitals near the battlefield. While there, she became mortified to learn that soldiers who fell on the battlefield were often just left there. She then led expeditions to retrieve the dead and injured from the battlefield. Always independent and often acting alone, she demanded that the Union medical officers. Treat injured soldiers quickly. After many such expeditions, she earned the begrudging respect of military leaders and doctors, and soon was called quotation marks the angel of the battlefield. After the war, she continued in her independent ways, helping to name the graves of those who had died in Andersonville Prison. In defiance of misogynist Victorian age customs. She did things her own way in matters both personal and professional. She was the sole driving force behind the establishment of the American Red Cross in the late 1800s. 
At times, her independent ways got her in trouble with authority, but she persevered and persisted. Source: Clara Barton, Professional Angel by Elizabeth Brown Pryor. Florence Nightingale, 1820 to 1910. Florence Nightingale was an English social reformer, statistician, and the founder of modern nursing. Nightingale came to prominence while serving as manager and trainer of nurses during the Crimean War, in which she organized care for wounded soldiers at Constantinople. She gave nursing a favorable reputation and became an icon of Victorian culture. Especially in the famous persona, using my quotation marks, as the lady and the lamp, making rounds of wounded soldiers at night. She established the first school of nursing and became a statistician on different methods of medical treatment and their outcomes. Her efforts became the example of how nursing was accomplished throughout the world. It is noteworthy that American Civil War nurses. Followed her practices and examples carefully. Source: Wikipedia. Last but certainly not least, and I'm going to re-spell her last name. I think I mispronounced it and misspelled it, and had a little attempt at a little humor, not a jab. Mary Ann spelt B-I-C-K-E-R-D-Y-K-E, 1817 to 1901. Mary Ann Bicker Dyke. Was known as Mother of well, Mother Bickerdyke was a hospital administrator for Union soldiers during the American Civil War and a lifelong advocate for veterans. She was responsible for establishing 300 field hospitals during the war and served as an advocate, assisting veterans and their families with obtaining pensions after the war. And again, here now, there's another. Spelling of B I K E R D Y K E. So I'm gonna let you guys determine the pronunciation. A widow from Illinois served with the Western Union armies. Not known for her subtlety, she soon angered almost every military doctor in the Union's Western Army. However, the common soldiers loved her and soon called her mother. In quotation fingers marks here. Charging into the hospital, she and her followers cooked, bathed, and dressed and treated the injured soldiers, such to the chagrin of military doctors who thought that they were in charge. In one notable example, Union doctors besieged General William Sherman, demanding that she be banished from their hospitals. Sherman, who headed the Union Army's Western Armies, was well aware of the many positive things that Mother Bicker Dyke. Had done for the injured. Responded in quotation fingers. I cannot. She outranks me. <laughs> Source: Wikipedia. Dorothy Dix, 1802, 1887. I didn't realize his attachment had more. Let's keep going. Dorothea Lynn Dix was an American advocate on behalf of the indigent and mentally. Ill, who, through a vigorous and sustained program of lobbying, lobbying state legislatures in the United States Congress, created the first generation of American mental asylums. 
during the Civil War. She served as a superintendent of Army nurses. Dix was demure, and some of her more assertive companions in Civil War nursing, more so than her constituents. This served to be an advantage because the men of that time were happy to support her docile approach. Her approach to nursing was good, advocating for consistent training of nurses and uniform methods of practice in the hospital. However, in other ways, she was a product of her time. For example, never hiring women of beauty, thinking them as a distraction to the soldier. Whatever limitations Dix had, she cannot be faulted for not caring for those in need. After the war, she advocated for better care of prisoners, Native Americans, and the mentally disturbed. Again, the source was Wikipedia. We'll be right back for the rest of today's show. Gary, great job! Thank you. Looking forward to more articles. I have them. I'll be dissecting them, and most assuredly, adding them in future shows. We'll be right back. Okay, everyone, welcome back to what will be the wrap for today. And thanks to everybody that's joined us again today and each and every day. And I just want to play a couple more exposés here for about another five, seven minutes. This is really what it's all about, Alfie. Indulge on your patience a little tiny bit, because I think it can self-edify right now as to whether it's something for somebody right here audio-wise. And if it is something that intrigues somebody enough to want to see the audio and maybe take it to another level of conversation, just simply leave me a message at the message board, and we'll go accordingly. This is called "Why You Should Get a 7K Membership" and with a question mark. Why should you get a 7K membership? There's a few audios. I'll be right back. It's called the problem. Before learning about the membership, please, well, watch this video. I'll put the link for you to do so in the description of today's show. But listen to it here as an audio, please. This goes back to 2011. It is so relevant today. If you are unfamiliar with how our economic system works, this is a much must watch, and hopefully a must listen right now. We'll be right back. In 2008, the world was given a wake-up call. What that massive bailout bought us was not a solution, but merely time—time time for the people responsible to wring the last few dollars out of a dying system. But also, for those able to see the cliff edge approaching, time to protect themselves and their families from the imminent plunge. And in the end, that time may prove to be the most valuable commodity of all. There are these brief moments in history where the safe haven asset for the last 5,000 years simultaneously becomes the asset class that has the greatest single potential gains in purchasing power. 
we're in one of these cycles right now where money is the best investment. <laughs> Get out of currency, buy money, and you're probably going to be able to buy a whole lot more stuff later. But the best thing that people can do of all is really to take on their own responsibility for getting financially educated. This is the most important thing. Don't let the banks and the brokerage houses and other people guide all of your decisions. Find out what's going on for yourself. Empower yourself. Okay, that was one audio. This is the second part of it, contained within. At Brentonwood, New Hampshire, delegates from 44 Allied and Associate countries arrived for the opening of the United Nations Monetary and Financial Conference. Our story begins in 1944, with World War II coming to an end. The Allied nations met at Bretton Woods, New Hampshire, to create a new financial system which would stabilize the world once the war ended. With America poised to enter a golden age of prosperity, the U.S. dollar was chosen as the world's reserve currency. The Bretton Woods system was created after the Second World War at the Bretton Woods Conference in New Hampshire, and rather than using gold as the means of exchange between. Uh, countries, as was the case under the old gold standard, the dollar was going to be used.、Um, the dollar was chosen because back then it was as good as gold. Under this new system, countries agreed to fix their currencies to the U.S. dollar, and the U.S. dollar would be tied to gold at a price of thirty-five dollars per ounce. This meant that countries around the world could trade their currencies for U.S. dollars, which they could then exchange for gold. This created a system where all currencies were essentially backed by gold. To avoid the logistics of shipping physical gold across the world, when countries did exchange their currencies for gold, it was usually stored safely in the U.S. Under the Bretton Woods system, you could exchange your currency or your dollars for gold. Now it only applied to foreign countries and central banks. And we began to run budget deficits. We were running the Great Society program under Lyndon Johnson. We were fighting a war in Vietnam, and all of a sudden we were running these deficits. And countries were changing their dollars,、uh, and they said they wanted gold. And it began with the French, and then it started to spread. With all the new spending programs in the United States, other countries became concerned that the U.S. was spending more money than it had gold reserves. They started exchanging their dollars for gold and demanded physical delivery, as they felt that there were more dollars being printed than the gold that backed it. To prevent this outflow of gold from American vaults, President Nixon called for an emergency suspension of the gold convertibility system. I have directed the Secretary of the Treasury to take the action necessary to defend the dollar against the speculators. I have directed Secretary Connolly to suspend temporarily the convertibility of the dollar into gold or other reserve asset. All of the problems that we see today in the monetary system are a direct result of the decision made in August 15, 1971, you know, to abandon、uh, fixed link back to gold. What gold did is provided discipline on governments, provided discipline on government spending by removing the link between gold and the U.S. dollar. 
President Nixon created a system where all currencies were backed by nothing. This is what is known as a fiat currency. Fiat currency is currency that's backed by nothing except government promises. The word fiat is a Latin word, and it basically means currency that's circulating by force. If people have confidence in that currency, and if there's enough government force that will enable the currency to circulate for a period of time until people lose confidence in the currency, there is no nation on this planet that currently uses、uh, money. We all use currency. Uh, there will come a day when everybody knows the difference. Money is a medium of exchange, and the way it has evolved is that it's always something of intrinsic value. Until the modern age, when the politicians say, "Well, we don't need anything of intrinsic value anymore. All we need is political decree. We can say this is money. This piece of paper is money." Now, money has a new characteristic. But underneath it all, there's the same concept. In place that nobody ever seems to challenge, and that is that governments have a right to declare something of, of no value to be money, and you must accept it. That's really the problem, and、uh, it's still the problem today. It's destroying the economies of the world. Hyperinflation may be one of several scenarios facing the world today, but history has shown us that whenever a nation tried to run its economy using an artificial fiat system. The end result is always the same: disaster. There is a proven 100% failure rate. There is no exception to this. Fiat currencies always fail. And then 40 years ago, we tried this grand experiment where all the world's currencies became fiat at the same time. When we ended the Bretton Woods system, the world is going to have to extricate itself from this monetary system. Based on the dollar, because if you want to back your currency, you have to back it with something. You can't back it with nothing. You know, always think of that old Superman movie where、uh, the first one, where Lois Lane, you know, she falls off the top of the the building, and Superman catches her, and he says, "I got you. Don't worry, I got you." And she says, "Well, you got me. Who's got you?" Well, that's the dollar. Who's got the dollar? It's not Superman. The dollar can't fly on its own. The dollar used to be backed by gold. It was gold that had the dollar. It's like everybody has tethered their ships to the Titanic of currencies, and so we're all going to go down. The government wants to sell you paper, so I would say it's the government and Wall Street. Gold in the hands of people is the way you control government. Governments cannot create money out of thin air. If it's gold, they can only create paper out of thin air. And if they can create paper out of thin air, they can use that paper to wage wars. Or they can use that paper as a political contrivance to enrich their friends, and as a consequence, governments have been fighting gold all century long. It's not that the price of gold is going up; it's that the value of the dollar is going down. The price remains constant in terms of human effort and purchasing power. An ounce of gold today will buy the same thing it bought 2,000 years ago. An ounce of gold. Today is approximately takes so much human effort to get out and refine the same human effort that it took to do certain things 2,000 years ago. It's the human effort equation that maintains stability. How much effort does it take? Gold is financial insurance, and the thing about it is you own it because you want to be protected, and you know you just have to have it if you want to have or, or sleep at night because there's nothing else. You know, if some catastrophic event happens, and we've seen them,、uh, how are you going to be protected? <sighs>
Okay, folks. Grandpa Bell, hopefully we piqued your interest enough just to get further edified. If you're interested in doing something like that, the second part of that is another follow-up videotape. Information. It's the simple step two, called the solution. Then that's followed by number three, the bonus. Learn how you can get paid to simply share this incredible membership. With inflation at a record pace, there is no better way to keep your earnings ahead of the rising cost of living. Get started. It also shares. Member stories within immediate information, or if you cannot listen in, you can through the archival shows. And anybody that has an interest in possibly seeing this tape and taking it to the next level, the series of videos, please leave me information at the message board. I'll give you a quick follow-up. We put you in touch with the second and third aspect. If you're still interested at that juncture, we invite you to talk. In my case, with myself and my sponsor, Seth Leaf Brzezinski, and we answer any and all of your questions at that juncture.、And、then we hope to welcome you aboard which whatever option you choose, be it the basic subscription or the full package. Talk more about it based on your response. I'm going to say bye bye for today, and please remember, always remember that BH Sales, Kennel Kelp, Kennel Kelp Healthcare Products, Ada's Animal Products, CTFO, changing the future outcome, the coolest collectible coins club, my goodwill ambassadors. The many intuitive groups I'm in, my clients, past, present, and most assuredly future. We're working together, and we promote good health in all animals, their people, plants, and the planet. Because we most assuredly do, within those groups, know somebody in pain, agony, suffering, pets, animals, highly unefficacious medicines, broken healthcare system, all of the above. If you do like us, please follow us at the show. Hopefully, you perceive us as a harbinger of good information, and myself simply as what I am—a conduit to just put you in touch as a tour guide, an usher at a movie, taking your ticket, whatever, to tell you what's in Studio A, movie theater B, C, D. If we all keep it that simple, in my humble opinion, the door goes both ways. It's just a self. Edification opportunity. You do what you see fit with it. However, like rich man, poor man, Robert Kiyosaki, many others, you will have to have multiple streams, regardless of their source, because the old system is done. We'll say bye bye for now. Appreciate your help. We grow exponentially. It helps us in the algorithms in the search engines. Please share us with social media. And anybody that's interested in either or both, I am assembling a team. 
in an attempt for residual and passive income, but it's more hand in hand with the investing and building my own security for what's left of my own track record before my posterity, and more so instilling the concept. That's why I'm doing this. Also, those of you that may be parents, grandparents, if it's something that you would consider for your own future and your own repertoire of your grandkids, children, whatever, let us know. There's many fun coins to collect from that aspect as well. One more time, I'd be a happy camper if it was an informal club, just for the fun of exchanging the ideas, because the referrals will. Resonate. Everybody knows somebody in pain, grief, and agony nowadays. To include their health and their wealth. This is a place for food for the mind, the body, and the soul. Bye bye for now. Sunday through Saturday, please join us. We'll see you in the next episode, and may God bless. Peace. <laughs>